Blog Talk Radio. Subwoofers live on Blog Talk Radio. We are brought to you by ForwardMile.com, your new home for sports news and opinions on the World Wide Web. And today, I regretfully have to announce that we have had to let our co-host Cole go. Um, he's no longer going to be with us here on the show. Um, it, it, it's a situation where, um, it's just something we had to do. We had to, um, uh, say goodbye to Cole and, uh, he's got, um, something else going on and he's no longer going to be with us. So moving forward, we're going to call this the coach O show. So, uh, we're going to get some new logos drafted up and, and, and rebrand this thing. I hope everyone will, will stay with us here on the coach O show. Um, you know, we wish Cole the best in his future endeavors. And, you know, it's just one of them things, you know, uh, all good things come to an end, as they say. And, and, and it's just, uh, I, I regretfully have to announce that to everyone here today, um, that Cole's not, not going to be with us anymore. So, um, but being that it's April, April 1st. Fools. April Fool's. <laughs> Uh, it's April Fool's Day, and so we had to play a little joke yeah. on you guys out there. Yeah, yeah. Cole, Cole's not going anywhere. Um, we're going to continue to bring the best sports talk podcast from here to the equator, and Cole Fouts isn't going anywhere, guys. Ever. Are you, Cole? No, no. No, I'm going to stay on the radio for the rest of my life. <laughs> Uh, we had a little mix-up there in the beginning of the show because um, yeah, we did. this week this week we were going to try a little something different in our open. And, you know, um, technical difficulties, as they say, because uh, our software just doesn't want to let us start without that, without our, you know, titled track to start us off. I mean, it's just like it's like got a mind of its own. Programmed into it. Yeah. And we were under the assumption that we had changed things up and we were ready to go this morning on this uh, beautiful Saturday morning here, April 1st, 2017, Blog Talk Radio, but it didn't happen. didn't happen. So we gave you the good old, the good old open that everyone's used to and nobody realized the thing until I just said that, but we were, we were uh, breaking, we were laughing there to start. I, I, that's what took a little long for me to pop in there because it was not that was not planned no no um cole it's uh <laughs> cole how was your week i mean let, let's let's you know everyone thought you were gone there we kind of started off on a sour note they thought that you were leaving the show but you're not so how was your week 
It was good. Uh, as you know, yesterday I meant to take a nap at yeah. around like five thirty, and then I woke up at four thirty this morning. So I've been up for like six hours, almost. Really? Feeling pretty good. Yeah, rejuvenated, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. You know, you're a napper. You're. Um, you're. Yeah. You're one of them. You're one of them guys that can just say, you know what? I'm done with today. I'm just gonna call it a night and or 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 take a break from the world for a little bit, a couple hour nap, and then get ready to go. If I, I take it. a nap, yeah. I mean, if I take a nap, Cole. I, I I wake up like I feel groggy and I've got like a headache and I just can't function. So once I'm done, how, how long like is, once I'm, yeah, it doesn't really even how matter long how long it is. Like hmm. they say, what do they say? Like a, a 30 minutes is like that power nap. That's like right where you want to be. Is that true? 15 to 20, 15 to 20. Uh, I learned that in psychology in college, actually. Uh, the one class that I passed. Um <laughs> But I don't, I don't believe in short naps. I'm a long napper type of guy, as you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think short naps do anything for me. I like to take a nap, and then when I wake up, I have no idea what day or time it is. That's my type of nap. <laughs> yeah. I like. It doesn't matter what the time length is for me. I mean, if I'm taking a, a 15, 20, 30, if I fall asleep for any amount of time, and I'm still wanting to get up and function after that, I'm done. I mean, it's over. I mean, I, I wake up with a, with a, you know, half my head pounding and groggy and red eyes. I mean, it's just a disaster. So I'm not like a napper. It. I just, I never have been, but you know, I, I kind of envy you a little bit cause that would be nice to be able to do that. I mean, it's a I don't skill. Know. it is a skill. It is a skill. It's too healthy. That's what it is, Cole. It's too healthy oh. for my body to comprehend. Yep. You know, I mean, because my body's like addicted to, uh, uh, could go anywhere. Uh, yeah. My is <laughs> like, I mean, I gotta have a Mountain Dew. I mean, I got, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's too healthy probably. Anyway, you're used to it's, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big sports entertainment weekend, Cole. It's MLB yeah. opening day this Sunday. It's WrestleMania down in Orlando, Ooh. Florida right now. T, which is basically like the developmental of WWE, their big pay-per-view show is tonight. And then the big show, the granddaddy, WrestleMania is tomorrow. Of course, we've got the final four. Um, and then both NBA and NHL seasons are winding down and they're getting closer to playoff time. So all these games are really starting to um, to mean more and more. Mean yeah. It means something, yeah. And so we've got a big sports entertainment weekend, and we're hoping that we kick it off the right way for all of our listeners. And remember, you can catch us on demand on iTunes and on TuneIn after our live broadcast. Please subscribe to us on whichever format you listen to us here on Blog Talk Radio. So it's now April, as you're aware, April 1st, April Fool's Day, and we're still finishing up March Madness. And we're down to the final four teams in the NCAA tournament. And to break that down this week, we're going to be joined by, for the second week in a row by our old pal, our old friend, Michael Hannock of Gulf Coast Media Newspaper, Cleek Geeks, and, of course, Forward Mile. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Good to hear, Really Mike. good, really good. 
uh, hopefully we didn't bring a tear to your eye there in the beginning of the show uh, when we were <laughs> telling everyone that Cole is going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, actually, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm actually not gonna lie. Um, when I was earlier as a kid, I was I was part blonde, and I really had thought that he he was no longer part of the show. I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! I had just heard him like before the show. <laughs> how long did this happen?" <laughs> well, good. If we if we pulled the wool over your eyes, we probably got everyone else too. So that's a good sign. Um, yeah. Probably all right, let's April get right Fool's into this thing. Say what? I said probably the meanest April Fool's joke I've ever heard. <laughs> or at least happened to me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I got to say so myself. Uh, Mike, you, you wrote a, a great piece on South Carolina this week uh, on forwardmile.com. And, and South Carolina is the fourth seven seed to make the final four in NCAA history. You, you talked a, about the great defense that South Carolina has played thus far. Mike, do you think that the fact they have been such a swarming defense here down the stretch of the NCAA tournament is basically an extension of their fiery head coach, Frank Martin? Well, I believe so. I mean, he's he's one of the most fiery guys in the um, college basketball um, season this year. I mean, he's if you see him, he's always red-faced, or he's always, like, shouting and doing something. So, And I believe his defense and his team players kind of match that personality. I mean, they're fiery, they're – Accenture, they're explosive. I mean, Sundarius, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sundarius is very, um, very matches that description of uh, explosive and just fiery off the edge and everything. So I believe with the combination of that and their man-to-man covering defense, I believe that ma- makes a very good case for this defense right now going against Gonzaga. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, like you said, I mean, he's 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 got that red face. He's screaming. He's spitting. He's he's. He's, uh, you know, that Bob Huggins, uh, Huggins disciple, and and he's he takes that and wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think, you know, like you said there, I mean, I think that that translates to, you know, the passion that his players play with. And I think that's a big reason that they are where they are right now, because nobody really saw South Carolina making it this far. I mean, if you have South Carolina in your bracket to the final four, I, I'd like to see proof of that. There's Absolutely. Actually, I mean, uh, I, I definitely didn't have them. There's, out of the $18 million brackets that ESPN had uh, submitted, it was point zero zero three have the correct Final Four. So it was like 657 had the correct Final Four. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's I crazy. I see so. 0%. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, I'm a liar. No, does it say 0%? No, no, no. I, I was just it. saying zero percent because, like, I I really don't believe that. I don't. I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy that makes multiple brackets. I'm I'm the one and done bracket. Gotcha. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So if it's their yeah. first try, there's no way they had them. I got you. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I did not do well in that only bracket, so I'll give that out there. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Sandarius Thornwell, SEC Player of the Year. He's played great mm-hmm. down the stretch. Tonight, he's going to go up against the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, Nigel Williams-Goss from Gonzaga. Who do you think has the better game tonight? Well, I believe better game is going to be Thornwell, without a doubt, because I mean he's the heart and soul of that team. As they, he's, he's one of the only major consistent players for South Carolina. Gonzaga, 
they have multiple guys like William Goss and then um kid that plays from I can't really pronounce his name very well, uh Karn Karnalski. Karnalski? Or something yeah. like that. He's like their I think he's their center. But he's averaged he's kid. averaged twelve point two points a game. And he's actually uh got a point six oh one percent field goal range. So I mean that's very good of him. I mean he's again he's a center. But I mean Thornwell is the um, first SEC player to uh, in the tournament history since uh, 1996 to score 100 points. So I think that's very impressive. But also you got to look at how much uh, William Goss has um, put into his team. Um, in the t- win against Xavier, number 11 seed, he's put in 23 points. Now he was 7 for 19. But in the game against West Virginia, he was he only scored 10 points and was – two out of ten uh, field goals. And that's sort of the same thing against uh, South Dakota State where he had nine points and he had four field goals at a 13 attempts. So, I mean, it's not the fact that William Goss hasn't actually been a major impact. It's because Gonzaga actually has a lot more impactful players. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, Gonzaga can really spread it out, and they have multiple players who – who can who can score buckets for him? And as as far as South Carolina, they really rely on Thornwell to do a lot of their heavy lifting. So that that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right there. Thornwell will probably have the better game. And speaking of Gonzaga, Mark Few, the head coach, he's been there since 1999. He's he's created the brand and the winning program that is Gonzaga. In fact, um, I, I was just hearing reading about a story that he was the he was the uh, the man for Gonzaga when he came in that really uh, forced Gonzaga's hand to change the logo. Um, Before, they had that kind of wacky-looking bulldog with the sailor cap on, and he wanted it to look more mean and more appealing um, to to recruits and and to the nation as a whole. So he had them change it into that meaner-looking bulldog that we know of today. So he's been able to really create the brand that is Gonzaga. They're a staple in the tournament. Um, This is their first Final Four. Uh, Mike, do you think this is Gonzaga's year? I really do think so. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, South Carolina is a great team, and honestly, if you look at some of these the games upsets uh, they've made, you really kind of look at some of the wins they had against Duke and uh, against other great teams like that, and you got to wonder are are those really upsets? But I think Gonzaga. I mean, every single game that they have played, they have been on upset alert against West Virginia against. Um, Northwestern, and they've come out on top because they're they're really a focused team and they're a good team all around on offense and defense. They're actually number one um, nation in efficiency, like overall efficiency in terms of scoring and allowing team uh, teams to score. And despite them being in their first Final Four appearance, they've done really well in the uh, round of 32. And it's just a proven of what uh, the head coach has done for that program. So I think that with the players they have now in Williams, Goss, and um, Karninsky, I believe, I think that they definitely got the edge against uh, South Carolina. And I'm not going to say much right now against possibly North Carolina or Oregon. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, I think they're in, definitely in a position to – to really do something this year, they've got a great chance against South Carolina. That's going to be a really exciting game, despite the fact that, like you mentioned, um, it's really not a matchup that we thought we'd see, but that is what we're going to see. And I think it makes it a little bit more exciting 
Um, the fact that we're really not sure which way that's going to go. Um, flipping to the other side of the bracket here, Mike, uh, the Oregon Ducks. This is the first time they've been to the NCAA tournament since 1939, uh, excuse me, to the Final Four, since the 1939 mm-hmm. season. Uh, Chris Boucher goes down with a torn ACL, and many people thought this team was pretty much dead in the water. That's a duck joke. And, nice. That's funny. Uh, Tyler Dorsey and Jordan Bell have really led this team through the tournament and put the team on their back, so to speak. But, Mike, the big question is here, how do you think this team matches up with the University of North Carolina? Well, that loss of uh, Burchard was very, very critical, but I still believe that they had some of the best players in the nation. I mean, in terms of a group of five, Oregon was that team. I mean, I had them going to the Elite Eight, losing to Kansas in the um, Elite Eight. How well did that turn out now? But uh, I believe that um, they have great players, especially in um, Dorsey and Bell. And then their um, star small forward, who's now playing power forward because of the uh, loss of Bouchard. But I believe that uh, they're a great team spreading out the ball. And uh, I actually have a statistic here um, somewhere. Since the uh, tournament started, they are 43.5% from a three-point range. That is actually a 9% increase from before the tournament. So with the loss of Burchard, I believe they've definitely gone around spreading the ball more and making some more efficient threes when they count against teams that are, let's be honest, pretty high-scoring teams like Michigan and uh, Lake Michigan. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good point. I mean, sometimes, and they've been able to do this. I mean, you lose a guy who they run the offense through and who's a big part of their team, which then forces them to get the ball into these other players' hands and, and, and spread people out. And the fact that they've been able to shoot at a high percentage, like you said, I mean, a 9% increase is a huge increase um, from before the, the tournament started. And, and, I mean, sky's the limit for them. And, and the thing is, is they can run and gun – with the best of them. There's no doubt about it. But the question's going to be, Mike, is can they really match skill and athleticism with North Carolina? Well, part of the thing is when Oregon lost Richard, they became a three-point shooting team, like I said before. But they've also been a lot more efficient in driving to the lanes and going against, going into the paint. Now, that's going to be a little bit of a different um, hard scenario to do against North Carolina because they have the best big man te- uh, duo in the nation, um, they're one of the only teams that actually focus on big men uh, basketball philosophy. So I think that they'll have a little difficulty on that. Um, so in terms of taking uh, taking out driving to the lanes, they're going to be needing to do a lot more shooting from the perimeter. And with North Carolina actually having a good perimeter defense shooting team, that may be a little difficult to deal with right now. Yeah, My thing with yeah, that yeah, go ahead, Cole. Is that I think Oregon – can be just as athletic, but like Mike said, like UNC's big guys with uh, Meeks and blanking on some of the other guys' names, but then even even uh, Jackson, he's a I mean he plays small four, but he's like six eight six nine, which is pretty big in, in college. But I just think that in order for Oregon, if they were to pull off this upset, they would definitely have to control the boards, and that's going to be tough to do against the UNC big guys. Yeah, and let's face absolutely. it. I mean, I mean, let's face it. I mean, if Oregon wants to win, they're going to need to have a little luck for, 
against North Carolina with yeah. possibly a sprained ankles from uh, Joel, uh, Joel Berry right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and Mike, the, the reason that I didn't really have North Carolina going that far in, in my brackets was because they, they didn't seem to have the ability to hold off teams consistently in the second half. And we saw it time and time again this year of them blowing second-half leads. And, in fact, when the tournament started, they played Arkansas. That almost killed them early on in this tournament because they blew, I think it was a 17-point lead to Arkansas and almost lost that game. So I got to ask you here, is, is North Carolina better off with this game staying close throughout the whole entire, the whole entire thing? It would have to seem that way because, I mean, there were two games um, against Duke, one in the ACC um, conference tournament and then another in the regular season where they were up, I can't remember uh, how, much, how much points, but I think 10-plus and then 12 for another, possibly 15 at one point. And then all of a sudden, yep. Duke, comes, Duke comes back fiery and spreading the ball very well. I mean, this is the kind of system that Oregon likes to do. I mean, Oregon was, um, I believe they were – Tied for 61st in the nation in assists per game, but that was before they lost Bouchard. And that, since they've been spreading the ball, they're going to need to definitely keep on t- top of that defense and make sure that they do not blow that lead. I mean, honestly, if you have to take your time getting to the basket and taking time off the clock, I, that would be honestly the best route to do so against fast, efficient teams. Yeah, for sure. And it's just interesting. I mean, a team as talented as they are, as well coached as they are, um, they just seem to to not really have that killer instinct, so to speak, when the game is coming down to the wire. And so um, we'll see how this goes because I feel like Oregon is a team with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, they're they're the underdog in this situation. So they're going to have, you know, a fighting spirit throughout this game. And so you can't cut them out, even if, like we've seen already in this tournament, if they're down 17 points. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. And, and you mentioned Mike Joel Berry the third. He, he's got that injured ankle. And honestly, he should probably be shut down. But he's playing through that injury. He said that there's only two games left. What's the worst that could happen? He's going to continue to play through it. How much of an effect do you think this is going to have on the rest of the team in this game? Well, there is a lot worse that can happen. Let's, let's be Let's be honest about that. Um, this morning on Sports Center, there was a piece about uh, Joel Berry. He said that both of his ankles are not limit him as much as some could say, but he's he said he's about 85%. They said his lateral movements really well, but, I mean, let's face it, when he's going to uh, continue down the stretch and make hard cuts and then uh, drive to the lane, that's going to be really hard on him to do so. I mean, I mean when he's, he's not the best efficient – assistant uh, assisting player on the team. He only averages about 3.6, but he's very crucial to uh, making the plays uh, very efficient and starting to play systematically for the uh, Tar Heels offense, especially those big men on the paint. So I think that Barry's will be limited because of those, those ankles, but I don't think he's going to be severely bad as as it could be. Now when the game starts and he loses his mobility – and his ankles get worse, that's going to be very bad for uh, North Carolina because now they don't have an efficient uh, point guard to spread the ball, and that might allow Oregon to come back and win. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forward. I mean, you know, uh, 
in basketball, you need your feet, you need your knees, you need your ankle. And, and if you're having problems with that, 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 that could spell trouble for UNC. We'll have to see how this goes. All right, guys, before we let Mike run here, I want, I want the three of us here to sit down and, and, and make some prick, picks and pricks. Let's make some pricks, guys. <laughs> some picks and predictions for the final four going forward. Um, Cole, why don't you go ahead and start us off, and we'll start on the left side of the bracket here. Um, South Carolina, Gonzaga. Now, I know, Cole, you said Gonzaga was going to be eliminated in the Sweet 16 a few weeks ago on the show. But seeing as how they're yep. not, they haven't been eliminated yet, who do you think is going to win between South Carolina and Gonzaga? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Gonzaga. Um, not going with the upset on that one. I just think, like Mike said, I think Gonzaga's offense, they've got too many. You can't really like, just like key in on one guy on their offense. Um, I think it'll be pretty low scoring, but I think Gonzaga pulls it out. Okay, okay. And and Mike, who do you got winning that game? Well, I really like South Carolina to make the upset, and I think it's definitely possible. But right now I think Gonzaga has too many awesome pieces, and their defense is very well put together to shut down the rest of the players. Now, Thornwell, he's he's a freak. I mean, he's just, he reminds me of Kevin Durant uh, going into the paint and shooting perimeter um, base, but, I mean, you have one player going against five as a team. I mean, that's going to be tough to deal with. So I think that Gonzaga will be will be the ch- champs there. But right now, I think that um, actually, I did see that Gonzaga is actually twenty six point one behind the three point lane. So if South Carolina can get something going, then maybe. But right now, I think Gonzaga is just too talented on offense and defense. Yeah, yeah, guys, I think I'm going to have to agree with you here. Uh, I think I'm going to go Gonzaga, too. I just, It just kind of feels like their year at this point. I mean, they, they've been, you know, kind of like you said, Mike, on upset alert throughout this tournament. Nobody's really giving them credit. They're always a team who makes the tournament, doesn't do a whole lot. They advance, you know, a few rounds, and then they, they flutter out, and they play that weak schedule like we know about. But I think this is this is their year. They finally put something together, and I think they're going to win and make their way into the national championship. So on the other side, Cole, we've got Oregon and, and UNC. And I'm just going to venture a guess here that based on the fact that you're a big Duke Blue Devils fan, that you're going to go with Oregon. Well, in a shocking twist on April Fool's, I'm still <laughs> going to go Oregon. Uh, <laughs> I like their momentum, and I don't think momentum is really a thing too much, especially with the week in between games. Um, but I like how Dorsey's playing. I, I love how Jordan Bell's playing. And then Dylan Brooks, the somehow forgotten guy, he's still a huge impact player. He puts up points, and he puts up points in, down the stretch. He can hit some big shots, and he's done it throughout the years. And I don't know. I, just, I, I like the way this team is kind of going right now. I'm going to go with Oregon. All right, so over to you, Mike. Do you think Oregon's going to take it, too? Uh, actually, I was born in Tar Heel uh, Nation, so I'm going to have to go with my Tar Heels in this. And uh, mm. a, little big, a little big of an enemy on uh, Duke, to be honest. But um, let's face it, I mean, North Carolina has the two best big men in the nation. I mean, they're first in the nation in rebounds per game with 43.7. So I think that 
if North Carolina can focus on the perimeter defense of uh, Oregon, they'll definitely uh, be able to account for those defensive rebounds. And offensively, North Carolina is outstanding in terms of creating offensive rebounds. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a bad blow for any team that they're playing against because that's, that's going to be very crucial to come back from that. It very much critical is their defense, and I don't think it's going to happen for Oregon right now. Yeah, you know, I'm going to agree with Mike on this one, Cole. I, I just think UNC is is too big, too strong, um, and, and I think they're just, as well as Oregon's plan and as great as this story has been, um, I think that UNC is is just uh, too talented. I wouldn't say too talented because we've seen Oregon is, is very athletic, but I just think, like we kind of talked about when we were discussing this game, they're going to eat on the glass, offensive and defensive side. They're so big. And if Oregon has shot 9% better than they did in the regular season and the odds of that continuing, I don't know how great those odds are. So I'm going to go with North Carolina. So looking at what we've got here, uh, Mike and myself got Gonzaga, North Carolina in the national championship. Cole, you've got Gonzaga and Oregon. So Cole, out of those two teams that you've predicted, who do you think cuts the nets down? Uh, down there in Arizona for the national championship? Uh, I'm going to go with Oregon again, and just the same reasoning, really. I just think that – I just like the way that they're playing. And I I did pick Oregon over UNC because I I just kind of hate UNC. Um, (laughs) And it's kind of fun to have Oregon and a Washington team, like they're right next to each other. I wonder if that's a a rivalry in any way. I'm not sure. I mean, they don't play each other, so I'm not. Yeah, I, I've never really heard of that, but yeah, that is interesting. I mean, that's the the TV ratings will be skyrocketed there up in the Washington Northwest region of the United States. So that's for sure. Um, but yeah, that mm-hmm. would be interesting. So you're going Oregon, uh, Mike. Your your our matchup's different, so it's UNC and Gonzaga. Who do you think wins the national championship? Ooh, you know, I hate to do this to my Tar Heels, but I'm gonna have to go with Gonzaga on this one. I'm gonna have to go with Gonzaga on this one. I mean, interesting. Just too, yeah. No, too many uh, efficient players. I mean, they can play both small and uh, big big man ball. I mean, their center is actually a very good passer. I mean, I saw this morning on Sports Center. He was passing the ball um, mid court while he was in the paint to uh, a player open for a three point shot. So I think that a combination of that and just out rebounding the Tar Heels, which will be hard at first, but I mean. If they can tire out North Carolina, I think that definitely uh, Gonzaga will be that big strong point. Now, if Joel Berry is going to be hurt in this uh, Final Four matchup, I'm going to give a slight edge to Oregon, only because they're a lot more athletic and they're a lot more efficient on the uh, board, especially at the three-point range. But, I mean, right now I think Gonzaga is going to win it all. All right, so he's going Gonzaga. And just in the – interest of competition I'm going to go with the third team UNC to win it all and and again for the same reasons that I, I mentioned in the previous game I think you know they're they're big they're strong um, Gonzaga's got a little bit more heights than Oregon does like we know and 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 so I think it's going to be an interesting matchup but I don't want to say that I'm a conspiracy theorist here guys but do we really think that it's going to be Oregon and and Gonzaga and Gonzaga's going to win it I uh, don't know if the NCAA wants that. I don't know. So 
I'm going to go with UNC. So we've we've all got different predictions. Cole's going Oregon. Mike's going to go Gonzaga. I'm going to go North Carolina. We'll have to put together some sort of uh, graphic or something up uh, going forward and, and see who ends up coming out on top for these predictions. Kind of a fun thing to do. Um, Mike, I know you got to run, and we kind of went over on time, but that was some fun conversation. Um, uh, where are you at on Twitter uh, for everyone to find you there? Uh, I am M Hanick H A N I C H seventy nine. Okay, Hanick seventy nine there on Twitter. Give him a follow. Good follow there. He's got uh, articles on Cleek Geeks and Forward Mile. He's Gulf Coast Media newspaper. Uh, really appreciate you joining us again here, Mike, and and we'll talk uh, again soon. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So awesome for him to come on. That was a pretty good conversation there, Cole. I think we really dived into these matchups, and and I think uh, that was kind of cool. So you got Oregon, huh? I mean, I Mm -hmm. I like it. I mean, I really like it. I, I think it would be fun to watch them. And I think it would, you know, they're kind of a fun team to watch. I think that game is going to be really entertaining, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that game is going to be really entertaining. And I think it's going to be uh, a fun, and both these games really, I mean, uh, it just, this, this, the whole Frank Martin thing of it, I mean, just watching him, that team. And, and I think Mike brought up some good points there about, you know, they only have that real one star player. And so if Gonzaga can kind of somehow, take him out of the game, then I think they're just going to be kind of overmatched there. And so, but you know, at the same time, they, they've advanced throughout this tournament and I'm sure that that was the game plan for all these other teams. So Not they haven't Duke. been able to, <laughs> they, they haven't been able to stop them yet. So yeah. we'll see. We let them put up 65 points in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. So they, they can score. They they can, and that's not going to get the job done. So uh, if Gonzaga wants to win that matchup, they're going to have to do a little bit better than uh, your Duke Blue Devils did there. Yeah. All right, moving on. We're going to get right into our lead story of the week, and that's brought to you in part by FanDuel. We at the Coach and Cole Show have partnered with our friends at FanDuel. If you've never tried FanDuel before, now is your chance to get in on the fun and support the Coach and Cole Show. Go to, this is something new now, go to forwardmild.com slash Coach and Cole, and click the link that we have posted that will bring you to the FanDuel homepage where you can sign up. You only have to deposit as little as $10 to start, and depending on what contest you enter, you can double, triple, quadruple, or even quintuple that in one contest on FanDuel. And by clicking our link, we have provided FanDuel will kick back a couple bucks to help us pay for bringing you this show free on a weekly basis here on Blog Talk Radio. So if you are new to FanDuel and you've never tried it and you want to try it, Get over to forwardmile.com, forwardmile.com, slash Coach and Cole, and click that link. All right. So this is, this is really interesting. And, Cole, you've got a connection to this. NCAA referee Johnny Higgins has been receiving death threats. Okay? He's been receiving some death threats. And, oh, shoot, I don't have this pulled up. But, Cole. I do. Um, you've got to pull up. Awesome. Okay, so. This is a referee. Uh, Kentucky gets eliminated, and uh, they were in foul trouble early. And I guess the Kentucky fans are are pretty much blaming this referee. Is that what I understand? Correct. Um, okay. 
they have made threats to his, his they somehow got a hold of his like personal information and so they've been calling his uh company, his office and his home um and they're putting false like reviews on his business to lower the the score of his you know the stars like ever however many out of five or something like that you know to make his business look worse than it is and he owns a uh, a roofing business in omaha nebraska uh, and my dad is from omaha and him and my dad went to high school together so there's a little fun fact for you um and I believe they're two years apart. And then Higgins' brother, um, his younger brother, went. He was in the same grade as my brother. Uh, not as my brother, as my dad. So Johnny Higgins' brother and my dad were to the same. Were in the same grade, and then they all went to high school together. So every time I watch a game, I'm always looking for Johnny Higgins because I feel like I know him. Yeah, that's kind of a cool connection there. So you and your your dad and him went to high school together. Um, yeah. John Calipari kind of, you know, I don't know if I if we want to say fueled the fire here, but the fact he that did. he was he was basically complaining about this after the game, he said, you know, it's amazing that we were in that game where they practically followed out my team. Amazing that we had a chance. And so that really got this started. And, and you know, Kentucky fans are amongst the most passionate NCAA fans in the nation. And they got – they took to websites and message boards and you name it. They identified Higgins. And like you said, they, they got information on his businesses, his Facebook pages, um, whole nine yards, um, started this big, and we know the way the internet can be. This is, this is the, the bad side to the internet. Um, we've got nothing bad to say about it because we're coming to your eardrums through the internet. So I'm not going to get into that. Got to love it. But at the same time, this worked against Mr. Higgins because um, they they took him to the woodshed, so to speak. I mean, they really – it's just been crazy. Now he's getting death threats. Um, his phone's been ringing off the hook. They've been prank calling his business. They've been prank calling his house, the, the whole nine yards. Um, so I believe he, he eventually here had to take this to law enforcement uh, for, you know, worried about his family and himself's well-being because of this. I believe that. I haven't read anything like that. I think I did see something about that, but I didn't I haven't read anything in this story that I looked up. Um the thing is like Johnny Higgins, he's one of the best referees in college ball. Um he does a bunch of games. He's been doing tournaments and final fours for years now. Um it's just that they called a pretty ticky tacky game both ways I thought. Um because when I was watching, I didn't even know Johnny Higgins was um, was refing that game because I just wasn't paying attention to the refs. Um, but Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox and Bam Adebayo all had two fouls in the first half. But I thought that it was kind of going both ways. I'm, I have to look at North Carolina's fouls, but I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think it was anything crazy, but, you know, Kentucky fans, they're crazy. So, Yeah. Um, NCAA put out a statement here. It says, uh, or no, this is not, yeah. We appreciate the passion that fans bring to college basketball. This is from president Dan Gavitt. Um, but the behavior of some fans toward John Higgins 
that has been reported publicly after last week's regional final is not appropriate. Uh, they go on to say, John is one of the most experienced and qualified college referees in the country, evidenced by his many years of officiating during March Madness, and for some fans to not only question his character, but also criticize his private business is unfortunate. While we understand it is nearly impossible to officiate a game without fans getting upset about a call, it's important that behavior during or after a game reflects the same standards of good sportsmanship that we encourage our coaches and student athletes. So the, you know, the cliche response, which is fine. They got to do it. Um, Kentucky weighed in, you know, they said, while we're all disappointed to see a memorable season end on Sunday, we appreciate the support our fans showed our student athletes all year. We encourage our fans to demonstrate good sportsmanship to everyone and discourage any other kind of behavior. And I think after Calipari heard what was going on, I yeah, think he tweeted he out. Have, he tweeted out, and I don't know if he he, he probably I, he feels a little guilty on this deal. I I don't know. I mean, obviously John Calipari is not. Re- responsible for the fans doing what they did. I mean, he felt a certain way about the game, made a statement, and that was the end of it. However, he took to Twitter and said, I always brag that we have the classiest fans in the country. Let's make sure we remain that way even after a tough loss. So this is kind of, yeah. you know, it's it's been overblown. And, you know, I think fans of any team, Cole, I think that you're, you're – as mostly invested as fans are, and like we said, especially Kentucky fans, they're just crazy. Um, I think there, there's got to be somewhere where you draw a line. I mean, let's be – I mean, do we have like 40-year-old, 35, 30-year-old men with families, kids, not you know, et cetera, that are, are honestly calling this guy's business and, and telling saying they're going to kill him because – their favorite college basketball team lost a game. I mean, seriously, is that is that is that where we're at? I mean, apparently. And, come and on. the thing that you just said too, like you got grown adults uh complaining about something that happened to 18, 19-year-old kids. A sport. I mean, yeah. Must have had a lot of money on it, I guess. I you know, that's Unfortunately, that's probably the truth um, on some of this stuff. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the fans, because now he's he's pretty much he's pretty famous at this point. He's been all over the news, and so, you know, he has a Twitter. His hair has a Twitter page. <laughs> his hair has a Twitter page. Johnny John Higgins hair. Okay. Well, check that out if you're interested in looking at his hair. I guess he's got uh, he's quite got quite the, the hairdo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's he's become you know pretty famous because of this. So we'll we'll have to see Cole how the the fans down there in Arizona react to him officiating these games because yeah, is this going to be a thing? You know, um, is this going to be like a Joey Crawford in the NBA where I really hope not. Joey Crawford sucked. <laughs> I mean, where you know, you're watching a game and, oh, crap, we got Joey Crawford tonight. This is going to be terrible. Yeah. Hopefully this doesn't <laughs> turn into that. <laughs> um, that. But it could. I mean, I, I, but but here's the, here's the thing. Obviously, he's a very good official because we haven't heard of anything like this before, and it just so happens that it's Kentucky fans 
that are, you know, like we've said here, pretty, pretty crazy about their team. So um wanted to touch on that because not only just because of your connection to John Higgins, but, but just the fact of, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, let it go. It's a game. And like you said, Cole, they're, they're 18 and 19 year old kids playing a basketball game. Let's get real. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, we've got a little. This is this is something that I I made sure that we we got to this week, and that's. And I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I saw it. I, I'm sure you've seen it, but I'm not sure if everyone's seen this. But um, last week, Cleveland Cavaliers played uh, San Antonio, and uh, a ball goes up, and there's a rebound situation. David Lee of San Antonio comes down with the ball and he kind of has got his, he's got his wing out a little bit. He's got his elbow, you know, up towards the shoulder area of LeBron and kind of brushes the backside of his, of his uh, back with his elbow and then turns and makes a pass. Um, Didn't really look like much. You see LeBron wince a little bit right away, but then he kind of shrugs it off and continues his way down the floor. Um, he walked to half court and then he kind of flopped down and was wincing in pain. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I immediately started laughing when I seen this because it, it looked like he, <laughs> it looked like he had gotten like shot with a bullet. He was in so much pain. Uh, he's down on the ground flopping like a fish. Here come the trainers. Uh, it, they got to stop the game. I mean, what? you're such a hater. You're such a hater. Cole, what? I mean, come hater. on. I mean, come on. He got, he got brushed by the guy's elbow. I mean, they're getting their butts whooped in this game and he goes down and fakes an injury. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm not playing in that game. Screw that. <laughs> I mean, and then he, he didn't miss any time. He didn't miss any games. I mean, yeah, so, he's LeBron James. He always feels better. <laughs> this ain't the first tie time your, we've, tie your shoes. we've seen. What? He just ties his shoes a little tighter, then he's good to go. <laughs> well, this isn't the first time we've seen LeBron, you know, quote unquote, fake an injury before. I've never seen um, it. There's been some I've other instances. Before. Well, I've never I seen think... it. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you know, you can find it on, on, anywhere i'm sure it was all over twitter when it was happening um you know, i gotta, you can find I gotta it. back him up though he, it really looked like a brush it, not not the whole thing but i i thought david lee kind of hit him a little hard i'm not saying that david lee like did it maliciously or anything but i just thought when he right. swung his elbow i didn't think it was a brush i thought he hit him a little bit harder than a brush i thought he nicked him pretty good in the, in the back <sighs> i i'm looking at it right now i mean Okay, and here he comes. Got the ball, turns, elbow out. I mean, the point of the elbow kind of gets him there. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say. You're looking at a replay, and it's it's tough to say how hard he really hits him, but it doesn't look like a whole lot. But, I mean, oh, there he gets hit. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it just – and then the slow, delayed reaction, oh, man, that hurt, and – and then he brushes it off and down the floor he goes. I, I, I don't know. I think it was a little, I think he's kind of thinking, you know, like you just said, screw this. I'm done. I'm out of this game. Get me out of here. I've I mean, done that before. Is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, let me, let me flop around and, and, and get the trainers over here. Cause I'm, I've had enough. Um, 
I mean, we've already seen, you know, like uh, last year when Leonard comes in and he and he kind of does the oh shit, I got to deal with this guy again. That wasn't last year. That was, was that years ago in Miami. Was that? Oh yeah, that was in Miami. Yeah, okay. So that I mean, he doesn't really, he doesn't like, he doesn't like playing with Kawhi. I mean, so maybe he's like, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore. I'm out of here. Um, oh yeah. He, oh man, he went right for his head. He did that on purpose. I'm watching it again. David Lee is a dirty player. <laughs> Get him out uh, of the league. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, shock another fake I, injury up to LeBron. I, I'm impressed that he even came back. I'm impressed that he's able to walk today. Wow. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, check it you out. Get, but in all seriousness, Cole, he, he did pass Shaquille O'Neal on the all-time scoring list recently. So yep. where, where does that rank him? Is that like number seven or something? Seventh. He's seven. We got Kareem, Carl, uh, the piece of shit, Carl Malone, and then kind of a piece of shit, Kobe Bryant. Uh, well, not not kind of. Yeah, he's a piece of shit too. And Michael Jordan also a piece of wow. shit. And then uh, Wilt Chamberlain, and then my boy Dirk, and then LeBron. And I say those guys are pieces of shit just because they're like pieces of shit human beings. Like they're great basketball players, but they suck as humans. <laughs> and then we got wow. Shaq, Moses Malone, and Elvin Hayes to round off the uh, top ten. Elvin Hayes, you don't see that name very often. No, it's kind of one of them forgotten names. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. LeBron, he's at uh, – he's basically 10,000 away from Kareem. Uh, he scores about 2,000 a year. So, if he plays five more years at that at that pace, at that 27 points per game pace, which I don't think he can. Twenty. I mean, he could play five more years, but I don't think at 27 points. Um, I think he could get to number two, though. I think he can get to Carl. Yeah, probably. What a great guy Carl is. All right. No, uh, he's got – he's a piece of shit. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, folks, I don't think we're ever going to have Carl Malone on the show. Um, I, I would after love that, to. I, I just – I can't see him agreeing to come on the show, Cole. I just I – just... Yeah, because he's scared. <laughs> can't wait. Me neither, Bart Scott. Uh, all right, let's move. Let's move Speaking on. We're going to some 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 football stuff. Yeah, uh, this is kind of interesting. Um, more Packer talk, but that's all right. Uh, Packers new Packers defensive lineman Ricky. And th- this is going to be interesting for people to try to learn to pronounce if you haven't pronounced it already. It's but French. I had to look it up. It's French, Ricky. Jean Francois. Yep. Okay. Very nice. Ricky Jean Francois. He Francois. he he's a big man uh, as a defensive tackle. And not only is he a big man, he must have a big sweet tooth because he owns twenty five Dunkin' Donut franchises. Stores. Uh he says when the big money came in. I was like, I need a retirement plan right now. I need a retirement plan that can grow right now. So at the time, when I actually walk out of the NFL, I don't have to let the NFL be my identity. Teams can look at me and say, okay, he's a businessman. 
He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing with his money. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes on to say, I'm going on year nine and I have so many different investments and opportunities. So the day I walk out of the league, I won't have those second guesses. I won't be those guys you see on 30 for 30. I won't be those percentage of guys that go broke. I want to be the guy on top. When the league talks about this is what you do with your money, (laughs) they actually show a picture of me. Ricky Jean Francois. (laughs) He signed a one-year, $2 million contract with with (laughs) with the Packers last week. So Ricky Jean Shinshfa. It's Ricky Jean Francois. Like, dude, it's so hard to pronounce. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. Ricky okay, let me, Jean Francois. Ricky Jean Francois. There we go. Jean Francois. Jean Francois. Yeah, it's actually Jean. Jean Francois. And Jean Francois. <laughs> He, are we serious right now? You are you are you listening to this? I need a retirement plan that can grow. So at the time I walk out of the NFL, I don't have to let the NFL be my identity. So Ricky, your identity is being the donut man. Twenty five Dunkin' Donuts. Are we serious? Why is that dumb? That's smart to me. Uh, I'm not saying it's dumb. You're gonna get money. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's dumb, but seriously, the way that okay, he's a businessman, he's a smart guy, he knows what he's doing his money. Is, is that like the top investment right now? Tw- Dunkin' Donuts? Is that like, I mean, is that what we're saying? Wow, this guy really knows how to invest his money. He's got 25 Dunkin' Donut stores. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> when you say it like that, that does sound funny. I mean, seriously, that's that. I'm a businessman. I, I know what I'm doing with my money. I'm going to buy 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Seriously? Now, here's that's the question I, I have for him. Does he have 25? <laughs> does he have 25? Did he go out and say, okay, I'm going to buy this one, this one, this one, this one. Did he buy 25 at once? Or is this something like he experimented with? got himself together with some executives from the Dunkin' Donut franchise, maybe did a little investigation, talked with this guy over here, this guy from Albuquerque, this guy from San Antonio, and then he talked to this guy in Washington. And, of course, I'm sure he's got one in Green Bay now. So uh, is he, like, you know, really, really getting into the analytics of the Dunkin' Donut world? So now he's like, okay, I I got 10, I got 15, I got 20, now I got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Well, he's going on year nine, like you said, and he's got so many different investments and opportunities. When he walks out of the league, he's not going to second guess. Not a chance. Yeah. And you're not you're not going to see Ricky Jin, Jin Sanson, Jean Francois on thirty for thirty. He said it himself. Well, my thing is though, like, why why are you bashing thirty for thirty? Thirty for thirty is great. Everyone loves those. Well, that's well. I think what he's saying here is he he's not going to be you know like that whole money uh, uh, documentary they did about all the guys that blow their money. He's not going to be one of them. Which that's just well, great. Not I'm not. I mean, I feel like we're 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 bashing the guy. We're. I'm just saying like. What do you mean we? It's you, you son of a bitch. I mean, I'm just saying like I. I feel like. 
the way this has come out and like been brought up to the media and the way he's portraying it is look at me. I'm a great businessman. I own 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Like, dude, you're, you're feeding the police around America. You're, you're, you're like the number one guy. They want to see you and they want to see your Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, and I'm not, okay. That came out wrong too. I'm not bashing the police. I'm not, I'm not bashing anyone. I'm just saying 25 Dunkin' Yeah, it's a common thing. Everybody knows that. 25 Dunkin' Donuts stores, and that makes you a good businessman? I mean, honestly, it, if you are a good businessman, you there's probably many other ventures that you could invest your money in, Ricky Jean-Francois, not just Dunkin' Donuts. And, I, and he says, and I quote, I have so many different investments and opportunities. So, okay, maybe he's not just – in Dunkin' Donuts, Cole. Maybe he owns 25 In-N-Out Burgers. Maybe he owns 25 <laughs> Burger Kings. Maybe he owns 25 uh, Starbucks. Well, he probably won't own Starbucks because Dunkin' Donuts is kind of a competition of Starbucks with coffee. But I'm just saying, maybe he It would make owns... sense to own both then. That's true. I mean, that's kind of like a hedge. I mean, if one dies, the other one, he's yeah. got the other one to fall back on. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, this just seemed, this was just struck me as funny that he's like going on the record saying I'm a businessman and these teams know it. That's why they bring me in because they know I won't blow the money they pay me because I got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. All righty. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm just like. When, when you say it like that, it just sounds so funny. I'm never going broke. I got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Is that not, I mean, is that not, what it, I mean, I'm, I've read – okay, this was on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I haven't listened to the actual interview, but from the way this is being portrayed, he is like – I don't want to say bragging, but he is going on the record, and he is saying, I, Ricky Jean Francois, am a smart businessman because I own 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. And can I, can I – ah, nope, I'm not going to say it because we could have a future endorsement. From Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm not Dunkin' Donuts. All right, 25 of them. No, I'm gonna say it. I've never really gone into a Dunkin' Donuts and gotten anything good. I don't know about you. I mean, uh, the doctor at work, uh, she brings in uh, Dunkin' Donuts every Friday. Yeah, it's my favorite day. They have good donuts. Okay, so you're on the Dunkin' Donut train. I'm not saying I'm not. I, not, I, I, I don't like Krispy on- Kreme. Okay, so you're not a Krispy Kreme guy. No. Okay, so you're not a Krispy Kreme guy. Uh, you're a Dunkin' Donut guy. I, I'm, like, indifferent. I mean, I, the couple times in the area where I'm from, we never really had Dunkin' Donuts. And just recently, yeah. a couple stores came in, and they built some Dunkin' Donuts, okay? And never had them before. Now, I will say my favorite donut is that Cinnamon Swirl Twist with the glaze on the outside, and it's like that twisted up deal. And there's no, I, I'm not much of the jelly cream feeling type guy. I, I, I hear Ricky, gross. I hear Ricky Jean Francois is a jelly cream donut guy. I'm not a jelly cream donut guy. I just, I like the twist donut with the glaze on the top, and I like the good old fashioned cake chocolate donut. Not the full covered chocolate, half covered chocolate, smothered on the top, and that's what I like. But I don't frequent Dunkin' Donuts. I'm gonna give him another try because this guy's a Packer. I'm gonna support the club. I'm going to go find myself a Dunkin' Donut and buy 25 donuts. I want donuts. a donut right now. 25 donuts for every one of the Dunkin' Donuts that Ricky Jean Francois owns across the nation. So there right. we go. 
Yeah. Wow. We spent a lot of time on that, but I just like, I just, I just, I, it just like blew me away. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just thought the way that it was being portrayed, Cole was like, wow, this guy's like business savvy. This guy's like should be on for, in Forbes within like a week because he's got 25 <laughs> of these franchises. Like within a just, week, <laughs> it just struck me as a weird thing. Like, is it not? Is it not? Am I, am I like, it's just weird. Can we move on? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Richard Sherman. Apparently oh. he's on the trade block. He is. Yeah. Um, and I saw a quote by him saying that he understands if that were to happen because he understands the NFL is a business. And that is, he seems like a smart dude from, a, from a lot of things that he has said. And I guess I'm not really surprised that he said that because I think he's pretty smart. And he, he gets that it's a business and this shit happens. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people that get put on trade block where it gets out in the media, it just, you, you don't stay in that place for too long once it's out there. I mean, Ricky Rubio has been on the trade block since he got to Minnesota, and he's still here. And I think he's yeah. our best option. And we keep drafting point guards to replace him, but it never actually works because Ricky Rubio is better. So I don't know what the hell we're doing. But in this case, Richard Sherman, if I think we said it a couple of weeks ago, trying trying to get the most out of him right now if, if you think he's on his way down. Right. It makes sense to me as far as uh, from – from a business side of this thing, because he's still, he still holds, you know, a high, a high level of value right now. So if Seattle can, can get a good, a good amount in return or a good player in return or some draft picks in return that have a good value, uh, it makes sense for them to do it. You know, the, the thing is, is this is going to be a tough decision for them because he's done a lot for the club. Um, he's part of the Legion of Boom. Earl Thomas is not retiring, which I found out a couple of weeks ago after I thought he was. Um, yeah. So he's coming back. So the Legion of Boom is intact for now. And Pete Carroll addressed this in a press conference. Um, he And he didn't deny the fact that Seattle's shopping Sherman. He said, and I quote, you're either competing or you're not. And so we had to be open for everything, every suggestion that comes along. There's, there have been some teams that have called, and we have talked about it. But he's extremely important to our football team. So to me, he's not – if they weren't trading Richard Sherman, he would have said, we're not trading Richard Sherman. Why would we trade Richard Sherman? He's a big part of our football team. He's extremely important to us. He's not going anywhere. He didn't say that. He said there have been some teams that have called, and we have talked about it. Okay, so to me, that tells me that's red flag as far as Richard Sherman being in Seattle. There's a good chance. I think he's gone. I mean, I really do. Um, yeah. Because, to be honest, is he the same guy, shutdown guy? And, you know, teams had no problem throwing at him this year. And, yes, there was the injury with the arm and, and that whole thing, and maybe he wasn't 100%. Um, and, and maybe that's the case. Um, Cole, you know, I, we were just talking about the Packers, but this just popped in my head. Green Bay making a trade for Richard Sherman. 
that would be a need of theirs, a defensive back. Of course, there's other teams in the NFL that have that need, but that seems to me that that would be a pretty darn good fit there in Green Bay. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it would depend on what if we're just giving up picks. I mean, I guess. Right. Um, I, I don't but have his contract in front of me. Let let me let me pull this we up. We don't have a I'd lot like of to... uh, players to give up. Right. We don't. Yeah. That's that's the tr- yeah. That's true. Um, but I'd like to see what his contract is at right now before we. If okay, uh, 2014, he signed a four-year, 57 million dollar extension. Okay, let me see what he's got left uh, as far as that and what was guaranteed. So, Richard Sherman, we are in year – there's one – okay, so there's two years remaining. He makes – he has $13.5 that goes towards the cap. So, that's that's a heavy salary. Yeah. Yeah. no thanks. He, yeah, his base salary is eleven eleven million, but he, he it's a cap hit of thirteen. That's a lot of money, and I think that's going to be a problem if they're trying to move him. He's twenty nine years old, and so I he's he's the number six uh, t- uh, highest paid corner in the league. Number six is that is that what I just saw? Wow. So there's five guys who make more money than that at corner. That's good math. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ripping the coach. Ripping the coach. Um, all right. Well, so I don't know. I I think if, if they can find a team that is willing to take on that kind of cap hit, I think they're going to do it. I really do because if this – like you said, once this kind of gets out there and we're hearing it from good sources and we're hearing it right out of the coach's mouth that teams have called, we have talked about it. So is he on the block? Yeah, he is. He really is. There's no doubt about it. So there's a good chance Richard Sherman's gone. There's a good chance. Where he ends up, Do you think? I don't know. Do you think he'll have a say in it? Well, he's got a say in just about everything, doesn't he? He likes to talk. Very intelligent individual. But, I I mean, interesting. Um, Wasn't there uh, Bruce Irvin's in Oakland? I don't know what kind of salary cap Oakland has. And we could see Marshawn Lynch there. Yeah. Yeah. Could we see Richard Sherman in Oakland? Interesting. Well, we'll we'll have to see That'd be a nice fit. Plus, they stay on the West Coast. I like what Oakland's doing. Let's touch on that quick, Cole. Oakland to Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. You know what? We're gonna save that. I'm gonna ask you that at the end of the show. Let's save that because I, I like the okay. question. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna save that question. But yeah, it could be something good there in Oakland. Um, I I like what they're doing. All right, we're gonna move on to some hockey talk. Hockey talk from Hockey Town, USA. And it hasn't, it hasn't been a great year for hockey town. The Detroit Red Wings will not make the NHL postseason for the first time in 25 years. The last time a Stanley Cup postseason opened without the Red Wings, Cole, George H.W. Bush was the president of the United States. 
in the top hit, Love Will Lead You Back by Tyler Dane, top the music charts. And if you're a, f- a hockey fan or a Detroit fan, you'll definitely recognize these names. Uh, veteran wingers Jim Nill and a young 24-year-old Steve Yzerman, who are both in the front offices in the NHL right now, were, were uh, r- rookies on that team. So that's how long ago this was. Um, and here's what's interesting about this, Cole. The Red Wings' playoff streak was the longest active streak in any of the four major sports. And now that they're not going to make it, this honor now goes to the NBA's Spurs, who are about to embark on their 21st consecutive postseason, which is really impressive. 21 playoffs in a row for Popovich and the Spurs there. The next best streak in the NHL now is Pittsburgh, which is only 11 years. So you can see they're 25 years. That is um, really something. I know St. Louis had a similar streak. I think it was 20 years they made the playoffs, and a couple of years ago they didn't make it, but uh, 20 years in a row they had made it. So very impressive. Um, the record in the NHL is the Boston Bruins. For 29 years, they made it from 1968 to 1996. They won the Stanley Cup twice during that span in 70 and 72. Uh, the Blackhawks are the only other team in pro sports history, Cole, with a streak uh, longer than Detroit's. They qualify for 20 consecutive postseason trips from 1970 to 1997. So no other franchises in any sport have otherwise surpassed 25 so that's quite a streak quite a streak i mean it's impressive to say the least there's no doubt about it um that's pretty impressive and not only that are they not making the playoffs but their famous arena joe lewis arena it's the last season so it was like their farewell tour so it's farewell to joe lewis arena and farewell to detroit in the playoffs but I, I kind of wanted to dive into this. So that was in 1989, Cole, was the last time Detroit missed the playoffs. Um, here's some things that went on in 1989. Okay. Uh, the, Ber- the Berlin Wall came down. The first GPS satellite was put into orbit. Interesting. Uh, here's one. The first... African-American governor in the United States was elected. So 1989, the first African-American governor, and and then, of course, Barack Obama was the first African-American uh, dissent uh, president. And that would have happened around 20 years later. Um, Hurricane Hugo, that was a, a, a big deal. You had the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Uh, of course, the Exxon Valdez oil spill. And, Cole, you're a big music guy, so the music charts that year, 1989, mm-hmm. they were dominated. I mean, you had guys like Richard Marks. He's got to be on your on your phone and your playlist. He is. How yeah. about Millie Vanilli? Millie Vanilli of course. had a number one hit. Oh, Absolutely. And then, of course, that little fox that she was, that little hottie, (laughs) 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 that that little fox, Paula Abdul, of course, had a number one hit that year. 
Yeah. She was dancing around with Roger. Was it Roger Rabbit? Is that who she was dancing with? In that video? She had like a cartoon. Somebody tweet us this. Somebody talk to us on this. There was a, um, like a, she did like a cartoon music video where she was in the cartoon. I don't think it was Roger Rabbit. There, there was like a, it was similar to that. Maybe the same guy who did Roger Rabbit did her music video, but she had some sort of yeah, deal maybe. where there was like, there was like a, a wolf. I think it was a wolf and some like cartoons in her music video that she was like dancing with and stuff. Pretty sure it was a wolf. Somebody let me know. Facebook us, Twitter us, Twitter us, tweet us, something at Coach and Cole on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Coach and Cole. That, that's that's the truth. I'm telling you, there was something like that where where there was like a cartoon. Um, movies, 1989. Christmas, Christmas vacation. Vacation. Yeah, that's a classic, Love right? It. I mean that that's yeah. that's one of the best. I mean that still holds up today. Um, then you had like, uh, some sequels. You had, uh, Lethal Weapon. I think it was two Ghostbusters. Of course you had Back to the Future. Another classic. Indiana Jones. Uh, Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Karate Kid. Um, God, this is, I mean, this was, we were, I mean, this is this is back in the day, 1989. Oh, uh, The Simpsons. They made it to the small screen for the first time. So the Simpsons cartoon series. Did, you know what's Started. weird about The Simpsons? Is that even, like, considered a cartoon series? I mean, it is, but, like, put The Simpsons in, like, a cartoon category. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really considered a cartoon, even though it obviously is. You're thinking of Am cartoons I, like Saturday morning cartoons for kids. Okay, so that's kind of it's just a different genre, so it doesn't like it's just fit a, the it's mold. It's just an adult cartoon. Okay. Yeah, it just, uh, it just animated, but yeah, they, animated, animated. There you go. Animated television. Adult animation? No, 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 no. Not adult animation. I've I've seen that. Yeah, that's adult animation. Work. It still works. Well, I, yeah. All right. I mean, it sounds all sexual, right. but it, it, yeah. it works. <laughs> yeah. All right. All going right. for. So, and that's crazy, the fact that The Simpsons started in 89, and they're still on TV. I mean, it's not, we're not seeing reruns. I mean, they're still going strong. So, interesting. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe was born in 1989. Huh. I, There's some other celebrities that, that are born. But yeah. Harry um, Potter. I know We had uh, Don Jackson on the show last week, and he, uh, he, he, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? He uh, I don't know. Watches professed his professed his love for the Harry Potter series. Yeah. So that's why I threw that. Would in you like Daniel to hear Radcliffe. the opposite of the Red Wings now starting their postseason drought? Uh, yeah. What's yeah. four major franchise franchises or fran- four major sports and then the franchises who haven't made the playoffs in however many years? So in the NFL. Uh, we got the Buffalo Bills with 17 seasons. They haven't made anything. Wow. Uh, MLB, the Seattle Mariners, it's been 15. NHL, yep. it's been the uh, Carolina Hurricanes in seven seasons. And then in the NBA, my Wolves, been 12, about to be 13. 
We're feeling good for next year, years. though. Feeling good for next year. You're probably happy they didn't make it. You're, you're, you want the draft pick. Well, what's the point? of? I mean, we weren't going to make it anyways, but um, before the season started, I wanted to get 35 wins. And where the hell are we now? We're at like 30. Let me just click on Minnesota Timberwolves this season. Uh, we're at 30. Yeah, we're at 30 wins right now. We have like seven games left. I don't think we're going to get 35, but we're going to get like 32, 33. I feel pretty good about that. Um, and there, what's the point of making the eight seed or any playoffs? Um, you're just going to get swept yeah, in the first I, round. Yeah, I, I got, I, you know, we went through this. I get your point. Yeah. I think it's just cool as a fan to see your team in the postseason, but hey, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. All right. But yeah, um, well, we got some got some teams that haven't made the playoffs, so don't yeah, feel too bad, Detroit. And, yeah, yeah, it's been good for you. There's no reason to get down on yourself. And you're gonna have a new arena, so quit complaining. Uh, good segue, NBA. Moving on over to there. Yep. The MVP race is getting mighty thick right now because, and you, we talked about this a few weeks ago and you put out a really nice article on fordmile.com about this. And in that article, Cole, you mentioned that LeBron James is undoubtedly your MVP, but it's been a few more weeks since that came out and you're kind of changing, changing where you're at with all this. So, I mean, MVP, it's not, it's not LeBron anymore for you? It's not. Um, and in my new article that I just put out this morning, I explained why. Um, and it's not that LeBron hasn't been good. It's just that the team just doesn't look as good. And it just there's just something off about that. It's, I mean, his individual stats are still up there. I mean, it's still a historically great season. Only five players have pulled off what he's Early four others, excuse me, five including him. Uh, two of them happen to be James Harden and Russell Westbrook this season. And um, I have Russ as my MVP, and it's crazy because he's not on a top team, but I just can't ignore what he's been doing lately. Uh, the other day he put up a 57-point triple-double. Uh, he put up his 39th uh, triple-double, uh, what was it, last night, night before against San Antonio. They lost. San Antonio actually only led that, led that game for uh, 37 seconds. And that was obviously at the end of the game. Um, but I just, like, and one thing that uh, when talking about his triple-doubles and then people rip on him for getting those rebounds because they're uncontested rebounds, I think it's something like 67% of his rebounds are uncontested. Uh, 66 of James Harden's are uncontested. So if you want to complain about – if James Harden MVP fans want to complain about Russ getting a triple-double or getting those rebounds, James Harden does the same thing. Yeah, absolutely, he does. I mean, and there's – that's I mean, there's talk about, about Harden himself – being in the MVP race as well. I mean, he's had a great season. And you talk about in that article that you you just put out on forwardmile.com, you talk about all that and you talk about, um, you know, how this is one of them years where we've seen three, you know, possibly three guys that are all deserving of the award, but there can only be one. 
And and that's my thing here, Cole, is is I get I, I understood your point before about LeBron probably being the guy. But Cleveland's really struggled here down the stretch and, and they're no longer first in the in the East. And and right. now it's it's Boston. And when we talked before, I thought Isaiah Thomas was the guy deserving of the MVP. He's really not in the MVP talks anymore, although I think he should be. Um, I mean, he, his numbers don't compare with other guys, and, and that's fine. Um, and he's not that great defensively. But without him, where the heck are the Boston Celtics? They're not where they are. And, and so I think that's where you got to look at this. And the fact that for Russell Westbrook, you look at, okay, Kevin Durant left town. He goes to Golden State. Now, what happened to Miami when LeBron left? They didn't make the playoffs. Well, they made the playoffs, but they were a shell of their former team. What happened when uh, LeBron left Cleveland? I mean, they were they terrible. Had the first pick. They had the, they first, the first pick. pick. They were awful. Okay, so now let's look at Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant leaves, and now you leave Russell Westbrook behind, and and they're in the playoffs, and this guy's carrying this team, and they're still competitive. They compete with the best teams. Now, granted, they don't always beat them, but they compete with the best teams, and and they're moving up in the seeding in the West. And where are they right now, the sixth seed? They're in the sixth seed. They're uh, two spots behind because after uh, – it was last night. It was last night. Uh, they're lost to uh, San Antonio. Uh, that moves them – they're still in the sixth, but that moves them a full game – another full game back out of from LA for that fifth spot. So they're two games behind LA and they're three and a half behind Utah for the fourth spot. I don't, it might switch up a little bit. I don't know. I, they're pretty much locked in for that sixth spot. I don't see Memphis creeping back up. Um, Memphis actually has a huge streak of making the playoffs, which is, I think they made it for like 10 straight years. Anyways. Yeah. Um, and with Russ's triple doubles, I just want to hit on this again. They are 31 and eight. So hypothetically, if you were to get a triple double in all 82, they would be a 67 win team. So to say like his triple doubles, like oh he's just doing it for stats. Like they need those triple doubles. They need if if he gets a triple double, they win. That's what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. And I think, and the point you know I'm with you. And the point I was making is 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 there's there's no chance that that obviously that Oklahoma city is in the playoffs without him. First of all, second of all, yeah, you know, yes, they do have some decent players around them. They went and got Gibson. They went and got McDermott. You know, they've got, uh, Sabonis off the bench and they've got Oladipo and they've got cancer. Yeah. The, I, I get all that. And they got the great defender and Robert Roberson, blah, 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 blah. But they're, they're not, they're not going to be where they're at without him. And the fact that he's able to keep that team in contention with when a major star leaves, I think that's in and itself. And sometimes you have to reward this guy. I mean, what he has done this year is amazing. And I think if we, if he doesn't win the MVP, I think we're going to look back almost with an asterisk on the season. Like, yeah, well, Westbrook should have won MVP because of this, but he didn't. So if, you know, yeah, I, I think like, that's like how it's going to be. Like, I think you're going to look back and then like five, 10 years from now, you're going to see that. And, I mean, I'll, I'll do it on air too. He's going to average triple double next season as well. Um, there's no reason for him not to. But we're going to look at it, and we're, if he doesn't win it, and see that somebody who averaged a triple double, a point guard averaging a triple double in 2016, and he didn't win MVP for whatever reason. Another thing with with OKC, like how you mentioned them losing Kevin Durant, they lost Serge Ibaka as well. Yep. And 
losing those big rotation guys, they have Oladipo, who's new, Sabonis is new, uh, Gibson is new, McDermott is new, Fabrines um, is new. They only have like three or four guys from last year's team. I think they only have three. Russ, Roberson, uh, Stephen Adams, oh, and Cantor. And his best friend, Cameron Payne, he's gone as well. So uh, they lost a lot. And for them to still be in the playoffs the way they are and still competing with everyone and I mean, triple-double leading league in points as well. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't see how you don't give it to him. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, LeBron. I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to do it. Um, there's no doubt. So, so check, look for that article forward mile. It's pretty, pretty good stuff. And not only do you talk about the MVP, you talk about all the other awards, um, give a great explanation on why you think they won the award. And then you go ahead and throw your first, second, and third team NBA teams. And it's, it's a good read. If you're an NBA fan, check it out forwardmile.com. All right. We got to shift gears here a little bit because uh, we're going to bring our second guest of the week on here in just a second, Cole. Um, Recently on forwardmile.com, they partnered with uh, FanDuel attorneys who are not affiliated with FanDuel. I just want to make that clear, but FanDuel attorneys and DFS chats podcast, uh, Josh Fernandez, we've had on the show uh, in the past, um, teamed up together. And no matter what your thoughts are on DFS providers, if you are a fantasy uh, daily fantasy player or not, um, they're a big part of the fantasy uh, world right now. And so um, what the three of us decided to do and team up was create a tournament and invite the most, uh, I don't know, I don't know prestigious is the right word, but the best DFS providers um, in the country right now and put them in a tournament and crown uh, the best NBA DFS provider of the season. And so that's what we did. And it was really successful. It got a lot of attention. And I think it was beneficial for everyone that was involved. And it was cool to watch this and to see um, lineup construction and different things and really watch this progress uh, throughout the tournament. It was a five-day tournament. Um, and then there was a championship round that was like a sudden death where five, five providers advanced. And, and like I said, it was, it was really cool to see how this went, went along. And today we are going to be joined by the winner of the DFS provider showcase. And we'd like to get, bring him on. He's, he's with us today and that's Josh. And I, I might mispronounce your name cause we talked about this before, but we're going to go for it. Josh Matagian of DFS JDM. Did I get it right? Oh, are you with us? Can you hear me, Josh? Yes, I can. Okay, there he is. There he is. So did I pronounce that right, Josh Matagian? Uh, I mean, you're, you're close. You're, I mean, you're closer than most people have it. <laughs> <laughs> but well, all right, you're with me. So. <laughs> well, I gave it my best <laughs> shot. DFS JDM, uh, first of all, you had an amazing run in this thing in the first annual DFS provider showcase. You averaged 16 points per round. Um, 20 points were the most you could score in a round. And so 16 was really, really great. You averaged uh, 309.7 f- 
FanDuel points. This was took place on FanDuel. Um, a night to advance to the championship. Very impressive. So, Josh, tell us a little bit about your lineup selection process for this thing and, and kind of what your lineup strategy was for this tournament. Okay. Um, well, I kind of actually changed it up a little bit for this tournament. I'm usually more of a, a cash option provider. Um, I usually try to pick, obviously, the, the chalk guys, which, which means the popular players that everyone's going to be on, the highest zone sure. guys. So, I mean, for, for this tournament, I kind of switched it up a little bit, and it actually it's, it worked out. It's actually still working out the way I'm constructing my lineup. So, actually, um, basically, basically, I mean, you got to play the popular players that everyone's going to be on because, I mean, if they go, if they go off, your night's done basically in a hurry. So, obviously, um, kind of just had to see who the most popular guys were during that tournament or during that, during that span of game. Um, and then also, I kind of tried to mix in maybe like one to two or three guys that I would see that would have lower ownership that no one would be on um, that could actually pop off and have a huge game, what some guys did in my lineups most of those days. So, I mean, it worked out. Um, but yeah, but mostly I usually try to try to go for the most popular guys. Um, but like I said, this tournament, I kind of switch it up and try to maybe target one to two guys that I think would, would go off with, with nobody on them that no one would roster and, and it actually worked out. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, consistency was the key in this, in this tournament because it wasn't just a head to head deal where a guy could, um, have a good night and end up defeating somebody who, in in lack of better terms was better than them and so you had to be consistent and that and that's what you 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 were obviously 16 points around you were near the top every night and you were able to advance to the championship and in the championship uh it was more of the same for you you defeated four other providers to win the crown of best nba dfs provider of the year you scored near 300 again in the championship that was the sixth night in a row so this wasn't anything fluky i mean you were doing this for six straight nights and, and so what did it mean to you to be able to outlast uh, some of your peers and, and become the DFS provider champion? I mean, I, I think it means a lot, actually. Um, I mean, it definitely helps the rep um, of getting out there, of people actually recognizing my name more. I mean, um, I think I was pretty – I think I'm a pretty big provider, but, I mean, from winning that, it's, it's given me a lot more exposure. I mean, and some of those guys that were in that final – um, I actually know them. I know a couple of them. Um, talk to them on a daily basis, and I mean, they're they're great providers as well. So, um, I mean, it, it definitely it definitely means a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Very impressive, and congratulations again. So, so Josh, tell us a little bit about your background in fantasy sports, and what what really got you started in the DFS industry. Okay, yeah, it's actually an interesting uh, topic. Um, well. I probably started about uh, daily fantasy sports maybe about two or three years ago. And um, basically the reason was, obviously, I love sports. I love all sports. So, I mean, that definitely helped out. But I used to actually go to um, a local uh, – I live in Michigan, so I live maybe like 20 minutes from Detroit. So I would maybe go every week or two weeks to the casino, actually, and obviously that wasn't working out. So um saw FanDuel, whatever, two or three years ago, got into it. I know it's gambling, gambling plus sports, and can't ask for anything better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's how I kind of got into it. Um, I mean, 
I learned a lot. I've learned a lot in the last two or three years about it. So I mean, that's definitely helped. When I started, I mean, I didn't. I was basically a beginner, didn't know much. Um, but I mean, over after you, you meet people in, in the community, like uh, up up and coming for riders like myself that are still in the industry and do and do great work. Um, it definitely helps out to kind of like clash minds, um, kind of see who who um, basically whoever whoever. Other people like and stuff, and you kind of, kind of like bounce uh, ideas off uh, each other. So it definitely yeah. helps. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that's kind of interesting. So you're a casino guy, wasn't really working out, got into DFS. Were you ever a, a, a season long fantasy player, or really never got into that? Uh, like, uh, like kind of like like uh, friends and family, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still, I still do that. I still do the NFL. Um, I do baseball. Uh, I did, I did a free NBA league, which I haven't paid much attention to. So, <laughs> I, I usually try to focus on the NFL stuff. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, and and it's just amazing how how big you know fantasy sports has become. How big, especially daily fantasy, is becoming. And regardless of everyone's feelings on DFS providers, because I know there's mixed opinions out there, regardless of oh, your opinion, there, there, they're, they're a big part of the industry right now. And quite frankly, a lot of daily fantasy players rely on these providers such as yourself each and every night. And, and you being the best NBA DFS provider of, of this season, what I want to know, what's your opinion on the industry right now? And, and do you think that, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings, the major two sites, do you think they're going to try to crack down on providers such as yourself? Actually, I think uh, I think DraftKings already has. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they did, I think, before the NBA, NBA season even started or somewhat through it. So I think they've already cracked down. I've, I haven't heard any rumors on FanDuel. I mean, I'm not sure why they would. I mean, we bring them so much business as, as providers. That's my personal opinion. Um, and like just the way the industry is going, I think, like I said, I've, I've been in this industry for two or three years now. And, and when I started it, I don't think it was that big, but now it's, it's huge. Like it's like a huge thing in uh, daily fantasy sports world. So that's just my opinion. I think it's, I think it's pretty big. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's growing. I mean, you're seeing the advertisements uh, on all these games and, and Cole and I have talked about on the show before it's going to come to the point where, you know, you, you, you're watching the game on TV and it says, uh, you know, points, or if it's an NBA game, it says points, rebounds, steals, assists. And then in the next column, it says FanDuel points or, or fantasy points. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, there's going to come a point where it's, it's, it's to that point. I mean, it, and and myself, I, I'll watch a game, look at the stat line, and go and start computing. Okay, what was that in Fanduel points? How how good of a night was that? You know, I mean, it's already to that point for a lot of us. And and like you mentioned there, that's kind of a good point. I mean, you're saying that, um, you know, you don't know why these these sites would crack down on providers because you're providing them um, more business per se because these guys who who might not uh, play otherwise. Um, are consulting you to give them whether it be the confidence to play um, uh, the right plays of the night, a few players to play a line if, if even, and you're saying that without, without the providers, um, maybe the revenue wouldn't be as growing as much as it is. Yes. I think that's a huge, a huge thing. That's why I was, 
Actually, I'm not sure DraftKings. I don't know why they did that, but I mean that's that's totally up to them. Um, but I mean, I think it's a huge, huge market booster. I mean, it, they don't have to market. They don't have to advertise. I mean, they do, but like you said, when you have like a beginner that's getting into daily fantasy sports, and like you said, they don't have the confidence or they don't want to gamble on the on basically the money that they don't trust their lineups. They could just come to a provider like myself, and obviously that grows up the revenue for both these. Um, these sites. And then also I wanted to point on um, another reason why I think the industry has grown so much. Um, comparing last year's uh, FanDuel season, NBA season, to this season is um, this season the cash lines of the scores are so much higher. So I think that's another reason why you can see the industry going with daily fantasy providers is all these people that are signing up with other providers and, and myself um, they're basically they they all have the same lineups basically, so the so the cash lines grow so much compared to last year when, I mean, the three hundred score would easily almost top a GPP for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and we've touched on that before, and and myself and Josh Fernandez on his show DFS Chats, we kind of talked about that on how, like you said, you're right. I mean, th- these cash lines, uh, especially in NBA, have 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 grown and grown and grown, and got higher and higher, and and you can have. Uh, some nights you can have over a 300 point lineup and not cash in a, in a 50, 50 or a cash game. So it's, it's, it, it, it goes, it tests to your, your point the, the industry has definitely grown and not only has it grown, uh, the players are smarter and, and, and there's so much information out there and, and providers like yourself that, that give them the resources and the information they need to make a good lineup um, is just, it has grown. And so that's what you're seeing. Right. So, um, Josh, some of our listeners may have never tried DFS before, and if that's the case, what is what is one piece of advice you could give to a brand new DFS player that is new to the industry? And and in your opinion, do you think a person can go straight into DFS, or should they begin as a, a season long fantasy player? I think you go straight into DFS. I mean, if you know the sport, you, you know how stats work and stuff like that. Um, I mean, a couple a couple of the big things that I would suggest for a beginner would be don't don't go crazy. I when I when I started, I went I went to Money Happy as a beginner and obviously it didn't work out. So um, I know people want to win the big bucks. Just my my biggest thing would just don't 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 bet your whole bankroll. As a beginner, you got to play it smart. Um, mostly, maybe play cash games where it's easier to cash, um, and then maybe a few tournaments as well. So, and those are the really big things I would I would recommend for a new DFS player: is don't bet don't bet a lot. You got to you got to start somewhere. Start small. Um, join a provider like myself <laughs> if you need some help, um, and then play mostly cash games at the beginning because you ought to build that bankroll up. So where you can play every night, you don't want to be, you don't want to bet a hundred bucks or whatever a night and then lose it and keep want to keep on depositing. That's that's not good. That, that's how you lose interest in daily fantasy sports, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, losing doesn't help. That's for sure. And, no. and speaking of, <laughs> of looking looking for a provider, uh, if folks are 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 want, wanting to seek your help or, or or seek you out on Twitter, how do they do that? Where can they find you? Uh, you could just find the uh, Twitter handle at DFS underscore JDM. Um, and basically you could just uh, direct message me. I'm, 
I'm usually on my phone 24-7, so uh, it's, it's, it's a good chance I'll respond back to you within a minute or so. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he's easy to find uh, at DFS underscore JDM on Twitter. Um, if you haven't, if you're looking for a DFS provider, look no further. He's the 2016-17 DFS provider showcase champ. Um, you can find, if you want to go back and, and check and see how that went down, you can find it on forwardmile.com, search DFS provider showcase. Um, He's got, I'm sure you've still got on your Twitter feed. If they look back, they can see some of the stuff you've retweeted and all that, and they can find it there. Um, so at DFS underscore JDM on Twitter. And, and, and Josh, we got to get, uh, let you get going here. We're running short on time. We'd love to continue the conversation, but we really, really thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me guys. And then I want to thank Ford uh, Mile and uh, Sandu Attorneys just for setting up that tournament. And then the, uh, the one currently going on right now as well. You guys do great work. Great work. Absolutely. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much, Josh. And hopefully we can talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Thank you. All right. That's Josh from DFS JDM. Uh, gracious enough I to join have us. Questions. That's okay. That's okay, Cole. Um, I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. We had it. We were running short on time with him anyways. We had to let him get going, but really appreciate uh, him coming on. And, and uh, I mean, this guy knows his stuff. I mean, it was, it was quite clear. I mean, he was, he was near the top every, every night in that thing. If you followed along, you, you recognize the name. Um, And, and I think he's, he's pretty popular already in the DFS world, but you know, um, it's such a huge thing. And that's why we wanted to cover it on this show uh, occasionally. And we can't forget our roots here, Cole, because this show started as a DFS NFL show. And so a lot of, we still, we still have a lot of those listeners that have stuck with us. And so um, we're not going to forget where we came from here, folks on the coach and Cole show. Um, Regardless if we don't talk DFS all the time, we we're still going to cover it and and, and talk about it. We both love it. We're both huge. And, and Josh mentioned uh, fan dual attorneys, right now is running uh, their finale and uh, both, both you and I are participating in that. And, and basically he's gotten together the 60 top amateur DFS players in the country right now. And they're, we're all competing and very flattering for us to be invited to be in that. But the, the 60 top amateur DFS provide, uh, not providers, excuse me, players. Uh, there are some providers involved um, such as Josh um, but we're all in a tournament, and you can follow along. I've been retweeting some of that stuff at Coach037 on Twitter, um, and you can find it at uh, FD Tourneys on, uh, or excuse me, at uh, FanDuel Tourneys on Twitter. Um, pretty cool stuff. They, he does awesome stuff, um, and and it's it's cool to have kind of a off the grid, so to speak, uh, tournament that um, that takes place on FanDuel, um, you know, and and really uh, kind of compete and and do it more than just one night because you know dfs is a one night deal and that's what's great about it is if you do bad in your season-long league you can shoot over to FanDuel and give it a shot for one night and try to win your money back and or, or whatever um you know and that's what's great about it um but you know it, it's cool to kind of see that um for more than one night and and, and see uh who's good on a consistent basis. So it's, it's, it's fun. We're glad, we're glad to be participating. Go ahead and check that out. Um, and again, if you're new to FanDuel, 
Go to forwardmile.com, or if you've, excuse me, if you never tried FanDuel, go to forwardmile.com slash Coach and Cole. Click our link. That'll help support the show and, and sign up there. We'd really appreciate it. All right. So moving on here, Cole, before we, we get to the coach's corner, um, and I'm glad you brought this up, uh, you wanted to touch on the UConn women losing on a buzzer beater last night to Mississippi State in the Final Four. Yeah. I, uh, at the beginning of the show, I fell asleep at 5.30 p.m., uh, but this morning I saw a notification on my phone that UConn had lost, so I watched uh, some of the highlights from that game. I just think it's crazy that they won 111 to begin with. Um, but this girl hit their shot from the elbow at the buzzer. They, were, they, they were, went to overtime, and they were tied at 64 in overtime. And this girl hit the shot at the at the buzzer, and then very casually just walked her shit, and it was it was pretty awesome. <laughs> she like didn't she didn't jump up or anything. She just like strutted away as her teammates all hugged her and everything. It was it was pretty badass. That yeah, that's all I had. Oh, that's all you had. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, my my mic might have cut out there for a second because I responded, but you didn't respond back. No, yeah, 111 game ended in the final four. So now uh, Mississippi State plays some other team that I'm gonna be honest, I don't even know who the hell they're playing. It's crazy though, like you said, what an amazing streak. I mean, we we talked about streaks earlier with the the teams making the playoffs. They they won 111 games in a row. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just unbelievable um, what they've done there. And I, and obviously you got to lose sometime. And so this is their year to lose. And I wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to like start a trend where they lose all the time. I think they're, they'll go right back to where they get, they get the best players recruit. They get the best recruits every year and that's not going to change. So it's going to continue. Yeah. Um, this is a perfect segue Cole into my coach's corner for the week. And we finally okay. got, enough time to get to it and I'm really not going to single out a coach but we're going to stick to women uh, college women's athletics and I wanted to touch on this because this is just crazy to me what happened in North Dakota um, they asked their women's hockey program on Wednesday and um, okay if they didn't have enough money to fund it that's one thing um, but not only did the University of North Dakota not tell players, coaches, or anyone that they asked the program that, that the program's done? They didn't tell anyone. Not only did they not tell them, they had a top recruit fly in to Grand Forks to tour the campus and the facilities with her parents, and they're there. And she's from Boston, Massachusetts. Girl's name is Lauren Hennessy. She flew there from Boston Wednesday morning for her official visit. She's one of the top goalies in the nation. She had already made a verbal commitment to the program. She tours around the campus, having a great old time, visited the ice arena, and watched practice until head coach Brian Brian Adeliski gets the news and has to tell her, sorry, we don't have a hockey program anymore. <laughs> what? Are, I mean, are you kidding me? She says, my parents and I were in complete shock. 
it all took a while to sink in before we realized what was truly happening. She, she was given an itinerary on Tuesday. She texted with the head coach before she got on her flight and flew there from Boston, took the visit, and next thing you know, the program's done. And the team's practicing. Uh, the athletic director, Brian Faison, says, we want to apologize to Ms. Hennessy. It was an incredibly difficult time on our campus, and she was impacted in a way which she did not deserve. She and her family have handled the entire situation with nothing but grace and class. We wish her the absolute best going forward. All right, so I'm going to comment on this because I think it's a bunch of crap, first of all, because now, Cole, this girl doesn't have anywhere to play college hockey, and she's one of the top recruits in the country because she already declined offers from all the other Division I uh, colleges, universities, and verbally committed to University of North Dakota. All these other universities have already since filled uh, their scholarship and their recruiting uh, base. So she's got nowhere to go. This school decides out of nowhere to cancel their hockey program and not tell anyone. I don't know what. That's crazy. Is that not crazy? I mean, I, I, I had to talk about it on the show. Because I blew my mind, um, and we just seen you know the women's uh, USA team uh, practically go on strike because of of what was going on with them um, not getting paid. You see the men um, and and basically you know af- athletes from every sport, not just hockey, all over the country, kind of rallying behind them and and supporting them until USA uh, finally you know gave them what they deserve. And and now you see them same women who you know were, were fighting for themselves are are now outraged on what's happened here, um, because this was the University of North Dakota is a, a highly regarded school as far as hockey goes in 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 the country. I mean they're they're amongst the top, you know, um, with all all yeah. the, the the top programs in the country. I mean in year in and year out they compete with the best. So the fact that. Uh, a major university like this just completely cuts their program out of nowhere is just shocking to me. I'm sure we'll see um, within the next few, few days uh, what the heck went on there, but they handled this completely terrible. I mean, it's just terrible. If I had a uh, Charles Barkley soundbite and terrible, I would have played it, but um, I just couldn't believe that. I mean, this girl's touring the campus and she's she's committed to your program, and you didn't even tell her there ain't one. <laughs> I mean, wow, wow! And you screwed yeah. her. I mean, they screwed her. She's got nowhere to go. So what is she gonna do? Wait a year? Um, we'll have to see. I mean, she's gotten a lot of notoriety, and not because she wanted it, just just because people feel for her, sympathetic for it, um, or empathetic. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy here what what went on there so i wanted to touch on that shame on north dakota you know a lot of times in the coach's corner call i'm i'm bringing the ha- hammer down on people and oh yeah that's what i'm doing today and this isn't just not specifically on the coach there but on that entire program that university what the heck are you guys doing um crazy crazy feel feel for the girl and, and the girls of that of that program because where are they going to go now because they already had a team, so they're going to have to try to transfer to other schools, uproot themselves if they want to continue to play. Um, wow, just crazy. So crazy there, University of North Dakota women's hockey program. All right, so that's a coach's corner. And we're getting close to the end of the show, and you know what that means, Cole? 
Yeah. You don't seem too excited about it. It's questions for Cole. On April Fool's Day, Coach and Cole Show, Blog Talk Radio, getting towards the end. We're going questions for Cole. And I mentioned this one earlier in the show, so let's bring it back up. The Raiders from Oakland are now. This is question number one. And by the way, if you're unfamiliar with questions for Cole, I always forget to say this. He has no clue of the questions I'm about to answer. They are unbeknownst to him. He has done no studying. These are coming off the top of his brain. Um, First thing that comes to his mind, that's what's cool. Cool about questions for Cole. Okay, number one. Oakland is moving to Las Vegas. Are they in the wrong for moving there? And do you do you support the move? Uh, I don't really have any hard feelings on this one because I'm not affiliated with them whatsoever. Right. I'm sure if I was a fan, I would be pretty pissed. Um, I think if it's a smart business move, then hell yeah, then move them. But, I mean, they've already moved. They moved from L.A. to Oakland and now Oakland to L.V., I don't know. I, well, I, that's a bad answer, but I don't really have any feelings towards one way or another. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. They're, they're not moving far, first of all. But if you're a resident of Oakland, California, or in the uh, remote area of Oakland, California, in the Bay Area down there, I can see if you were like a season ticket holder or a frequent, uh, you know, you went to the games, you were for the black hole, whatever, if you're crazy enough to be in there. I can see where you're upset a little bit, okay? But here's the fact of the matter. They, they tried to get a stadium there in Oakland for 30 years. They moved one other time because they couldn't get one. They were promised they were going to get renovations, and they never got them. So I can't sympathize with Oakland on this. Now, they stood firm in saying that they were not going to make the residents of Oakland pay for it because they just didn't have the money to do it. And so it's a tough situation. I think it's cool that the Raiders are going to be in Las Vegas. I think it's fitting. So, yeah. All right. You're indifferent on it. All right. Number two, Tracy McGrady is going to headline the 2017 hall of fame class. Is he a hall of famer? Only because the NBA has the weakest hall of fame requirements. Um, I mean, Carmel Anthony is going to get in. And he hasn't done anything besides win a national championship. And I, I'm not demeaning the national championship, but also the three golden, uh, golden medals, or gold medals that they won for Team USA. Um, but it's it's the basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. That's the thing. True. Yeah. And yep, yep. the basketball Hall of Fame is the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. Um, Bill Self, Kansas head coach, he got in as well. Um, I forget her name. She just got inducted as well. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rebecca Lobo. Rebecca Lobo. Yep. So I do think he's deserving only because it's not a very tough thing to get into. Okay. All right. I number mean, he three. He didn't do anything. He just scored yeah, a he lot. He didn't win anything. I mean, he, he I just, mean, he, I mean, he's a really good player, but he didn't like, yeah, didn't win anything. Yeah. I'm with you. Number three. WrestleMania is this Sunday, and the headlining match is, of course, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. Who wins, Lesnar or Goldberg? Goldberg. Goldberg retains his title. All right. Oh, yeah. Nostalgia. 
Goldberg. All right. Number four. That's what I'm going for. That's what you're going for. Number four. Hmm. How's the weather down there in Chicago? So you don't even have a fourth question? No, I we didn't cover the weather in the beginning of the show, and I know that's just so that, a hot oh my topic. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's been rainy all week. It's probably in the 40s or 50s right now, but it's but the feels like temperature is probably about five to ten degrees cooler than it actually is. Okay, a little brisk weather there in Chicago, Illinois. Number five, and the final question for Cole on April Fool's Day. Number five is. Major League Baseball is starting this Sunday, opening day. Do you yeah. plan on watching any baseball this weekend? Not one second of it. Not a chance. Nope. All right. You heard it here. Not watching baseball. T-Mac deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because it's the easiest Hall of Fame to get into. It's brisk down there in Chicago. What else do we talk? Oh, Goldberg is going to retain his title against Lesnar at WrestleMania. And Cole doesn't really care that Oakland moved to Las Vegas. But if he lived there, he'd be pissed. It's only an hour and a half flight. Yeah, it's not far. That's the thing, too. I mean, it's in the region. So, I mean, meh. And, you know, I was just in Vegas and not recently. And I'll tell you what. They were the most represented team because I've seen Raiders stuff everywhere. Between them and, honestly, Green Bay were the two teams that you saw all over the place. So it makes sense to me. Las Vegas Raiders, bring it on. Sin City Raiders, whatever they're going to call themselves. I like it. All right, we're winding down. We want to thank everyone for joining us again on this glorious April Fool's Day. This has been the Coach and Cole Show. We are on Twitter, at Coach and Cole. Cole is that King Cole 715 on Twitter. I am at Coach 037. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach and Cole. We're on the TuneIn app if you're an Android or Windows phone user. You can find us on iTunes as always. And we thank everyone for joining us here again. And Cole, do you have any yeah. final words? to leave our listeners with this week? Uh, I never do. I always get myself out beforehand. I know. Get yourself over to Dunkin' Donuts for Jimmy Jean Francois. Or right, what's his <laughs> name? Uh, Ricky. Ricky Jean Francis. Ricky Jean Francis. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. Ricky Jean Francis. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my god. But I, I I I just think it's funny, Dunkin' Donuts. Ricky G Francois. <laughs> Ricky G. Ricky G. I'm just gonna call him Ricky Johnson. It's been the Coach and Cole show. I'm the coach. I'm Cole. <laughs>